But if anyone's looking to do that, I always say, and like Ruth Carter told me, don't be afraid to lead the message. Don't be afraid to reach out. You have to do your research and you have to see who is their stylist, who is their publicist. Reach out to those people and leave the message. All they can say is yes or no, you know, but you have to be bold enough and confident enough to leave the message. You have to put yourself out there. Don't wait for anybody else to do it. You've got to do it. My name is CJ, and welcome to Black in Fashion, a podcast that highlights key Black figures who have impacted the world of fashion as we know it today, as well as those who continue to influence its ever-changing industry. Each episode, we'll profile different people from past to present, as well as conduct interviews and engage in dialogue around race and diversity within the fashion industry. Hello, world, and welcome to this week's episode of Black in Fashion. Now, I'm coming to you a little later than usual, but this episode will definitely be worth the wait, especially for my emerging designers out there. So for this week's episode, I was able to connect with fashion designer Justin Haynes. A native of Springfield, Massachusetts, Justin Haynes is the founder and CEO of ready-to-wear fashion brand Justin H. Now, Justin launched his brand after leaving a successful career in retail, but 10 years later, he has not looked back. Since launching his brand, he's shown collections throughout the U.S. and overseas, has been published in several major publications, and has even styled some big names in entertainment. So this week, Justin and I will discuss his jump from retail to design, his experience in building a fashion career outside of a major fashion capital, and the importance of mentorship in a creative industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Black and Fashion. So we went through a little bit of your bio before, but I want to hear it from you. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you began your journey as a fashion designer. Well, it's a childhood dream. Um, It has been a journey, I'll tell you that. But it was a childhood dream, something I really wanted to do um, back in middle school. And working, you know, being in middle school and on that, you know, my first job, you know, everybody's first job was, you know, McDonald's or fast food. I knew I wanted to work in retail and it happened for me. Um, I started working at the age 15, you know, went straight to retail, working at the Gap, was there for 19 years, then went to luxury retail, from luxury retail, um, I kind of was at a halt, I was just ready to go ahead and do my own thing, you know, so um, it was either relocate, huge salary, or start my own, and be here and kind of help my, my mom with my dad, because he was sick at the time. Um, so I started just in age, um, and, but before then, you know, in high school, I was always, you know, outfitting in you know, styling my friends for prom, senior um, senior banquets, so on and so forth. Even in, when in my sophomore and freshman year, I was still always helping the seniors out. So um, it's always been a passion of mine. So from there, you know, I started Justin H. Um, Justin H. started with literally one customer. And then from that one customer, I've made it to where I am today. Wow, that's amazing. So I, I love that you started off, you know, a good portion of your background was at, actually started off in retail, where I'm sure a lot of upcoming designers and people in the industry can relate. Was it a tough decision to sort of go from either taking the big salary, continuing the retail career, or switching over to start your own fashion design label? Of course, it was a huge decision. And like you said, I think most fashion, people are in fashion, they work in some type of retail. But for me, the retail aspect was my foundation to where I am right now. So, you know, out of 
learning, you know, payroll and conversions and, you know, how to build a staff, how to let people go, you know, to learning all of that, to not continuing and just start all over again. I felt like I was starting all over again, like starting my career all over again. So it was definitely a hard decision um, walking out of there. I cried all the way home because I live, you know, I live like 30 minutes away from my office and I went to a Starbucks and met two of my friends there. Um, Crystal Grimes, who's actually my assistant now, and Jennifer Mitchell, I met two of them and I sat there and cried, you know, and they just said, you know, Justin, if you don't do it now, you'll never do it. So they were my encouragement and I need to kind of keep moving. So it was definitely not an easy decision, especially when you're someplace and you're comfortable, you know, when you've become really comfortable and your salary is great. You know, I left there with, you know, zero. I had like four weeks of vacation and, you know, some 401k. So yeah, it was definitely difficult. I won't say that it wasn't. What major obstacles or growing pains did you face when you first made that jump? You know, so by this point, you've made the decision to leave retail and start your own label, your brand. Um, What were some of the most memorable obstacles that you sort of faced in developing? The most memorable was actually, number one, just getting everyone to believe that I was going to be a brand that was going to be around for a while. So I believe that that was it. Um, The obstacle was trying to get everyone to see my world of fashion. Like I never wanted to, and even to this day, I don't want to fit into the current world of fashion. I want to build my own. So I definitely didn't grow up and I'm still not in a fashion capital. Springfield, Massachusetts is not, you know, the fashion state to be. However, you know, that was a challenge to try to make them believe that fashion was a huge part of everybody's, you know, their everyday life. So I... That was really it. I can't think of anything else because that's still a obstacle. Now that, you know, it's become a lot better, you know, but I believe that that's still an obstacle. I want to make sure that um, I leave my mark here in fashion. Like, I don't want to go anywhere else and leave my mark um, and say I was from. I want to make it here and I want people to believe that fashion is a great aspect of their life. And then, you know, then I can go from there. So I know I'm, I'm close, but that was the hugest obstacle obstacle, um, just to know that for them to even believe that I was able to do what I'm doing, you know, so that was huge. You know, I love that because, you know, you pointed it out. uh, If you're not in a key fashion capital, like New York or LA or Paris or Milan, it can be really tough to one break. It's hard enough to break into the industry if you live in one of those places. And I know there are plenty of people that I've met that, you know, their journey started you know, there's so many places, so many cities in the United States. And so you don't have to be from one of those places to necessarily have a drive or an interest in fashion. So what sort of advice do you sort of give to the emerging designer that may not be based in New York or may not even be based in a major city um, to sort of help get their brand going? Because by this point, you know, you've we're going to get to this, but you've shown in all these fashion capitals, including overseas. So what sort of advice do you give to that young emerging designer that may not be based in a major city? Well, number one, you don't have to be based into a major city. I do believe that, you know, you can do whatever you want to do where you want to do it. So for me, my advice, number one, is if there is potential, just even out to potential where you are, stay home, stay in your home field. There's so many that go away from their hometowns and then it's always oh they're from our city but you know then you leave your city with nothing so i say leave your 
stay within your cities and stay within your states. However, after that, if you start something, finish it. See it all the way through. There's a lot of designers and there's a lot of creatives who start something and because it doesn't get, you don't get the results right away. Then we go to the next thing and we keep skipping around to this. You know, people want to see consistent uh, CEOs, consistent um, creatives, so then they'll know that you'll be around for a while and then they can actually start, you know, working and purchasing from people that they trust. People trust people that are around a lot, who consistently show the same thing, who are consistent in their work. Because if you're consistent in your work, people will believe you and then they'll believe in you and then they'll want to buy and purchase your work because you are consistent in it. So that's it. Stay consistent. If you start that shoe brand, stay consistent in it. Even if you're not selling but one or two every month, stay consistent in it and watch and let it see it grow. I like that you said sort of bloom where you're planted in a way. Like you don't necessarily have to run to one of those cities in order to make it. You can start off in your town. You can start off in your city, even if it's not a major fashion capital, and then take what you've developed there and then bring it to places like New York, bring it to places like LA. You can take it anywhere you want, really. Well, you can. I mean, if you if you look about it, there's a ton. You go to these fashion capitals where they're already established, where there's hundreds and hundreds of fashion designers, you know, shoemakers, jewelry designers, creatives. New York, Atlanta, LA, these big, huge places. You're going into, you know, a world of fashion that they've already created. They're already designers just because you're the newbie in the area, doesn't make it any different than you staying where you are. You still have to make a name and a purpose. You still have to prove yourself whether you go to that fashion capital or whether you stay where you are. And for me, it's worked for me because I didn't jump and run to New York. You know, but even still without me doing that and making a purpose here, I still made a name for myself that was able to still be known in New York still be known in LA, still be known in Paris, still be known in Milan. So it can be done. You know, your work has been shown worldwide at this point in places like Paris, New York, LA, Milan, um, you know, Miami, all these different fashion shows and fashion weeks. So tell me, what was that experience like getting to show your work, you know, beyond your hometown? What was it like when you first show your collection in New York or Paris or anywhere? It was actually amazing. And to be honest with you, this was nothing I looked forward to um, because I didn't think it would move this quick. You know, my first email um, to show at your fashion week wasn't the hugest show. You know, it was just like a side small show that, um, you know, it wasn't on a huge platform. It wasn't an elite show. So just to be able to do it, I, you know, I stepped out. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. You know, because... I was, you know, I had hope. I'm like, I don't know who's going to be at this small show. So I went and did the show. And that night, as I'm walking, doing my final walk with my models, the editor of Vogue magazine was sitting right there. And all she kept saying, she looked at me, she was like, this was an excellent collection. And I'm like, okay, great. And like, I was all excited. And I'm like, finally, you know, at least, you know, this was it for me. Someone saw it. I'm fine. It really didn't take for me to get out of New York like a day, and then like all the press started coming. And then from that, you know, I got the call. We want you to be in LA. Can you be in LA for LA Fashion Week in two weeks? So then there's two weeks I had to go ahead and read 
do a whole new collection and get it ready for LA. After LA, LA was perfect. Press was there. You know, I went and did LA Fashion Week. I couldn't get on the plane fast enough. Then I got the call. We want you in Miami in June. So like things just kind of kept flowing and it just happened in place from Miami. uh, Went back to LA after back to LA and I had to go back to New York. And then every platform got higher and higher. So the experience honestly was one I didn't think would happen this soon. You know, I didn't even think it would happen like that. I thought I would have to always showcase and try to show my lookbook and show this and show that and kind of prove myself. And it took that one show for me stepping out and being who I was. And that's one thing I want to let every creative know. Even I was at this small show and all the other designers were trying just to be who they weren't. I went and did what I know I was going to do. Regardless of who liked the collection or who didn't, I brought who I was out there. That's amazing. It literally just took one show, one editor to sort of get things all kicked off. Um, and it was, it sounds like literally a domino effect, you know, like it you, was. you get one, one thing from one show and then it turns into two things at the next show and turns into 12 things at the next show. So that's really amazing. So that was sort of going to lead into my next question, but is that sort of how all of the press started picking up because, you know, you've been featured, your work has been featured in AP News, Business Insider. Um, you have an article on Yahoo Finance, Fashion Lifestyles Icon um, on Google News. So did all of the press sort of pick up from those shows alone as well? It all came from that. Um, it really started really picking up after my show at Eiffel Tower in Paris. Like after that, like, I feel that that's when finally you know, the world knew who I was. So that's where all the press came, the magazine covers, you know, the editors of this magazine. Can you send me work? Can you submit this? I need content. Can you do this? Can you do that? And then from there, you know, 2020, I have to say 19, I was at Paris in um, 2019, 2020 is when all of the major press started coming in, like Yahoo Finance, like AP News, you know, um, Business Insider, like those big business outlets or something I didn't think I would be on until like later down in life, you know? So that started coming this year. And then my final to even be on time news, you know, as a Renaissance man this year was like huge. So from Paris kind of led to everything that I'm doing now. And it's like, again, all of this press, I didn't ask for, I'm not submitting anything. I'm not going after these editors. I'm not going and telling these articles, you know, the people to write an article on me, you know, it's just happening. Like, Again, it's that domino effect, like from Paris and then from one, it's like one sees and then the other sees and the other sees. But in that, I do believe that they do see a consistent brand outside of that, outside of all of those, you know, excuse me, out of, outside of all of the articles and everything. I'm still my brand. I'm still working in my brand. I'm still being consistent in who I am. So it's nothing I'm looking for. You know, I, you know I'm thankful to God that he's allowed me to do what I'm doing. So I know you've been able to partner with and get your pieces on a few celebrities. Can you tell us sort of how, how does one actually get their designs into the right hands? Well, I can definitely tell you how, like um, one of the major ones, and I'll speak on one. Well, actually, I'll speak on two. One of the major ones was um, working with Disney Channel and working with Brianna Boy from Raven's Home too, and still some of their actors now I still do that so that's one and my biggest mentor really that ha- that I'm working with now is Ruth Carter because she's right here from my area we both kind of came up from the same area she was actually from Springfield and she went to she moved to LA how do you get 
to do that. Let me just tell you this. When it came to working with the Disney Channel, that's something that they sucked me out on Instagram. That was a message I got in my inbox from one of the producers. And I thought it was actually a hoax. I didn't think it was real until I, I got the number they called me. And then that's what it was. But if anyone's looking to do that, I always say, and like Ruth Carter told me, don't be afraid to leave the message. Don't be afraid to reach out. You know, and sometimes, you know, you got to remember a lot of these celebrities aren't manning their own page. You have to do your research and you have to see who their, who are, who is their stylist, who is their public publicist, you know, reach out to those people and leave the message. All they can say is yes or no, you know, but you have to be bold enough and confident enough to leave the message. You have to put yourself out there. Don't wait for anybody else to do it. You've got to do it. You did have a, a lot of work and a lot of things happening at the end of 2019. So tell me, how has COVID impacted the Justin H brand, seeing that, you know, you were sort of just getting the jump on a lot of these shows and a lot of this press? Well, it was weird because just in 2020, like the last New York Fashion Week show I had was actually at the CoverGirl um, flagship store. The whole store was mine, you know. So this was the hugest New York Fashion Week show that I've had or that they've seen, you know. Nobody ever, you know, this is the first time that someone like shut down the store. So like it was absolutely huge. The whole night was mine two levels of stores there. Everybody's there just to see me, see my collection. It was wonderful. You know, and I was like, okay, we're about to store because I was due to be in Milan two weeks after that. Here comes COVID. For me, it was devastating because I'm like, here I am. I just finally got to where I want to be. And then here comes something else. So I remember one night my prayer being, you know, God, please help me to remain relevant in all of this because I know I didn't work this hard for me to go back and start all over again. And then from there, I have to honestly tell you, you know, sales have not been 100% where they are, but my name is still relevant and people are still, my customers, my regulars are still coming to me. So it hasn't really affected me too much. It just affected my way of socializing within the industry and still bringing my brand a little higher. However, even in that, I was still able to show in September you know, I showed virtually um, in the heart of Times Square. You know, I was right outside, showed my collection right outside in the heart of Times Square and on a billboard. So, you know, things have still worked out in my favor. I was able to still, you know, show both of my collections virtually, you know, thanks to my great videographer, Andrew Maxwell and, um, and his team. And I was able to still do my virtual show this year. And I did two of them, you know, reaching over 10,000 people. So, you know, um, I have to say it wasn't a bad experience at all. I thought it was. I thought it was going to be very, very, very bad. Um, but it actually worked out for my good. Where do you get your design inspiration? My design inspiration comes from a lot of the vintage eras of the 60s and the 70s and some of the 80s. Um, believe it or not, I, I take like a lot of my childhood uh, shows that I do, like, you know, the Cosby show, Different World, uh, Facts of Life. You know, um, I did, you know, a collection with Punky Rooster. Like, all of those, I take my inspiration from them, and I love to recreate those times to what it would look like, me, you know, when I was doing it. Because when I was a kid, I would look at those shows, and I would think about, like, what would I put these people in? You know, so now I have the opportunity, and I will, I've always said, if I ever started my own brand, this is what my inspiration would be. And Believe it or not, that's where my inspiration comes from. It comes from movies. 
comes from old TV shows. It comes from vintage eras. And it also comes from just the streets of life. Like I love walking and looking, you know, in New York, you know, walking down the streets and seeing what they're wearing so I can do the opposite. So my inspiration is to bring back those uh, classic vintage looks will make them modern, you know, because in those, in that time, in that area, everyone dressed well, like everyone looked great. And that's what I'm trying to bring back that regardless of where you go, look your best. So um, that's where my inspiration comes from. It comes from childhood movies and TV shows and sitcoms. So a lot of fashion students or even young designers, they do worry that if they don't graduate high school and hit the ground running with designing right away that they'll never find success as a designer. But what I love about your story alone is that it shows that that's not entirely true in itself. So what advice would you give to any emerging designers in the industry today? Find you a mentor that can help and lead you through their experiences. I didn't have a fashion degree. You know, I just had someone who was willing to invest time in me to show me the ropes, to show me how to sew. You know, it took me six months to learn how to sew. I didn't, you know, I had I had a little bit of knowledge, but I didn't know the whole ins and outs. And Ms. Jessie Daniels, she set me down in her basement. She was like one of our childhood, like seamstress of like the world. She set me down in her basement for six months and showed me everything every day for six months. I suggest you finding a mentor someone that can teach you the ropes and someone that you trust. It's not always going to be in the uh, degree. Let me just tell you that there's plenty of fashion designers that I know now, fashion merchants that have a degree and they're not even working in their, um, their field because they didn't have, you know, and they still don't have that person that kind of leads them in the right direction or they just didn't have the zeal. They thought that the degree was going to do it for them. So you, you guys out there, emerging designers, find you a mentor Find you someone who's been in the game and that has seriously been in the game, not just, you know, on Instagram with a bunch of likes that have been in the game and that have worked in the game and that has worked in the industry and knows the industry. Get some information from them, get some feedback from them, you know, learn under them so that you can have a successful brand. Again, thank you so much to Justin for joining me for this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about Justin or the Justin H brand, you can visit his website at justinh.com. That's J-U-S-1-0-H.com, where you'll also be able to find all of his social media handles. Black in Fashion is written and produced by me, edited by Joelle North. The theme music is from PBTM Production Music Library, and background music for our profile episodes comes from Lakey Inspired. The title is Better Days. Please like, subscribe, review, and rate Black and Fashion 5 stars on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Lastly, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at BLKNFSHN. Again, that's at BLKNFSHN, just like the logo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>